Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we begin the Wednesday edition of Big Bets here at South Point Casino and Hotel. Dave Ross and Amal Shaw coming at you here from Las Vegas. Amal, big, big doings last night down under. I come from the land of under. Rafa Nadal, the reigning defending AO champ, he gone. Straight sets, he gets beaten uh, by Mackenzie McDonald, 6-4, second round of the tournament. He did have an injured hip during the match. I did not see it. I do not want to make excuses for Rafa, but if the draw didn't open up even more for guys like Medvedev and certainly Joker, you got to feel like, boy, you get the defending champ out there, and that's one less uh, big, big chip that's got to fall. Absolutely, but I'll tell you what's disappointing. I had a friend of mine, he unloaded the clip on uh, Rafa in the in-game after the first set. And so here's the thing for people that are unfamiliar in tennis. Mm -hmm. If the player retires, the bet is refunded. That's basically the unwritten rule of the uh, Davidenko rule from a match-fixing many years ago that took place. Davidenko wins the first set, and all of a sudden this major underdog goes from being a, like, plus 4,000 dog to, like, minus 4,000 the other way. Wow. Never got paid out on that one, but... Rafa gutted it out in the third set. And I'll tell you what, Mackenzie McDonald was outstanding the first two sets, not to take anything away from him. But in that third set, Rafa was injured, and he continued to play. And I remember a post-game interview, he said, post-match interview, that he didn't want to go out just, you know, retiring because he was a defending champion. But he couldn't move. I mean, honestly, I probably had a better chance at that point in time. Rafa was doing nothing. Now, well, that is obviously rough. a lie, but still. That's a rough beat then. It is because it, it, normally, he could have retired, right? Well, if this were like a smaller tournament, let's say this was an APT, ATP 250 or two, 500 tournament, you would have seen him retired. He would have stepped away. You would have gotten a refund, no problem. But it was the same thing with John Isner yesterday. I had Isner. He wins the first set in a tiebreaker. There's like a 36-hour rain delay. Mm. He starts the second set. He's up in the breaker, a mini break, and then loses the set, gets broken early in the third. He's got a back injury, calls for the trainer. I'm like, all right, this guy's going to retire. <laughs> no, no, no. He just absolutely gets punted right out of there and back to Dallas. <laughs> so Rafa is out. What's interesting to me is, again, you gave this out well before the tournament began mm-hmm. when we broke this down a week ago, that you like Joker at minus $1.10, minus $1.05, whatever the best price you could get. Let me correct you. Yep. I love Joker. You like did not like liked, loved him at that price. And now he's still minus a dollar twenty-five. Yeah. I go, there seems still like value to me in that even now, especially with the news of Nadal being knocked out. Look, there's two guys that are going to be able to win this tournament. The Joker and Medvedev. That's it. Medvedev last year had a two-set lead. It was up a break in the third against Rafa, somehow gave it away. Inexplicable for a player of his caliber and his talent. The Joker has come to play. He's going to be ready to go. Wins the first one. He he um he wins that match uh, at four, at two, and at love. Or it might have been four and three in love, but um, he was dominant. You know, we've seen F- Felix Ojealiasim, a young up-and-comer, struggles, comes back down 0-2 yesterday against Malkin, mm-hmm. wins that set. But overall, I look at Taylor Fritz. Fritz is a good hardcore player, but let me tell you, in a best three out of five, 
He's not beating the Joker. ZZ Pass, the 15 to 1. Does Stephanos have a shot? Uh, if everybody else withdraws. <laughs> oh, did you, did you see what he did after his match yesterday? With, no. the, uh, with the signed cards? No, 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 what'd he do? Okay, cool move or, or cheap move, okay? okay? You know how post-match they'll go and they'll, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're a class player, he'll go and sign, you know, sign some of the tennis balls and whatever for the kids. So he brought pre-signed, like, cards. Oh, and he gave them out. That he took out, took out of his bag and then went around kind of handing them out. I think that I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a pretty intelligent move. Well, you're saving time, right? Like you don't gotta sign a bunch of stuff right yeah. there after the match. Well, if we had like Vston cards and somebody came up to us and you just like, hey, yeah, good to see you. Just take this. That's kind of my point. I, I would feel much more appreciative if Dave Ross, you know, signed something in right? front of me. Yeah, you like, it takes like, the oh, physical I just time sign it. to sign it. Well, I would never want to sign anything because I, I'm basically I can't write, so that's already a problem for me. I have a hard time. That's what's great I, about signatures. It doesn't I, really matter. I but I think it's great. I think you can hand it out to more people. I think you can. I, listen, I always said I'd be the greatest celebrity of all time because I would talk to everybody. I'd be in the stadium signing twenty. I just won the U.S. Open. I'd be there signing twenty thousand autographs. I do recall one time at training camp for the old uh, Washington football team. There, this is probably a good decade ago. Yeah, and a kid had got all the, the football signed. By all his favorite players on the team. And then he, for whatever reason, loved the network I was working for. And he said, I'm a big fan of yours. Would you sign my football? And I saw all the names he had on there. And I was like, are you sure? Like, one day they're going to look at this and they're going to see, like, you know, Kirk Cousins and Robert Griffin III and Dave and you Ross. You ruined that football. Right? And I, <laughs> and I looked at him like, kid, don't do this. You're making a bad life choice. You're going to devalue the football when they go, who's this broadcaster that you put but on the football? So I have a friend of mine, he was a sports psychologist on Ohio State's national championship team in 2002. And so he's got a national championship ring, and his brother actually wears it. And so whenever somebody asks him, he goes, hey, were you, you know, you were on the team, your brother played? He goes, no, yeah, my brother was a kicker. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to devalue that, that stuff. It's a good, you have a really nice artifact there that you're going to devalue with my signature. Uh, so that's what's going on at the Down Under. Very quickly, is there a price point where it becomes unplayable for the Joker? Because still minus $1.25, I would still up, say up fire to, away. Up to minus $2. Up to $2. I, I think, no, look, when you look at the draw, it's Novak's. That's why we haven't even spent much time talking about yeah. this. Men's tournament is going to be Novak on one side, and if Medvedev is focused and he's ready to go, then he'll he'll breeze through as well. So, he's still better than everybody else. Just a more overall tennis futures betting question, Amal, because this I've kind of gone back and forth on this just in my own mind with – with Djokovic, it, it, Djokovic specifically in recent years, with the odds we see him at pre-tournament, yeah. is it smarter in your opinion to just go grab the better price pre-tournament, or wait, you know, wait a round or two where the price barely changed? Because this, right, this barely moves. I'm it stunned. moves fifteen cents. Yeah, you know, fifteen twenty cents, and a guy like Nadal's out. I know you said he didn't really have much of a chance, anyways. So I, I don't know. I always I always think maybe it's better to wait a, a round or two and then pay the extra juice, or or is it just better to get out in front of and get the best price? This time it worked out because Rafa went out, and a lot of it had to do with injury. Not taking anything away from Mackenzie McDonald, but Rafa's always tough in five sets to be able to really knock out. Mm -hmm. uh, but to me, the one concern you have sometimes, let's say Medvedev goes down. I, I mean, to me, it's like. He skyrockets to $4 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, there's there's nobody else. Like These guys are not beating him. Remember, Sitsipas led him two sets to love at the French Open. At the French and couldn't get him out. Yeah, and that's uh, Stefanos' best surface, yep. and that's that's probably Novak's worst surface, and he still comes back and beats him in, in five. I, I, I'm with you. I'm stunned this isn't already minus $1.50. So still right there, minus $1.25 at DraftKings uh, for 
Novak Djokovic with the news of Rafa Nadal going out. By the way, very quickly, DC uh, uh, owned Francis Tiafoe, 50 to 1. Is there a round that you like Tiafoe? He's, you know, he's just kind of a fun guy to watch these days. And certainly I know everybody in my, uh, my DC timeline are rooting for Francis. Can he, get, can he make a run to say a quarter or a semi? He could get that far. I still think there's some deficiencies in his game. He's got to work on, but he's, he's pretty good. Um, you know, he's, I'd give him credit, man. He's done well off the court. Yeah, yeah, he's marketing himself. I don't know about that. I just saw his girlfriend. She looked good. Oh, yeah, he's doing all right. Uh, we got some NFL news I want to get to. And, again, you know, Kelly texted us in our group text the other day, and he's like, you know, I'm officially old because he saw Kelly. Who was it again that you saw for? Jameer Nelson Jr. Jameer Nelson Jr. an injury Jr. update on him for what, Delaware State? Is that what it was, uh, Bo? Yes. I'm yeah, just Delaware, waiting. Delaware, the Del- Blue Hens. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, Jameer from St. Joe's? Oh, he's got a kid that's playing now? So we've had one of those situations, and I saw that Rand Carthon has just been announced as the new GM yep. of the Tennessee Titans. And I went, Carthon? Rand Carthon? Mm-hmm. Is that the son of Maurice Carthon? And lo and behold, it is. And he's now the new GM. Now, th- this is becoming more of a trend when you look at John Lynch as the GM of the San Francisco 49ers, where you're getting former players, or, you know, Rand was not like his, his dad, Maurice, for those that are old like me, the glory days of the Giants in the 80s and Bill Parcells and Lawrence Taylor, Maurice Carthon, right? That's a fullback. He's going to lay you out. We don't have fullbacks anymore, pretty much. What do you make of this pseudo-trend, and I don't know if it's going to keep trending, of former athletes, at least tentacles, to great players in the league like a John Lynch, like a Maurice Carthon, that are now taking over and running organizations as GMs? Well, listen, he played at Florida. I remember I was at a game down in Miami between Florida and Miami. They are up by 23. Mm-hmm. He had gotten off to a fast start. It was 33-10 in Brock Berlin, the one highlight oh, of his career. Wow. They come back and beat uh, the, uh, the Gators in that one. I think it would do well. Listen, I remember when uh, Carthon was an assistant coach with the Cowboys on his staff. Bill Parcells talked about Maurice Carthon. He goes, he's a foxhole guy. Yep. right. Like he's the guy, you, he's the guy you want in the foxhole with you. I think the fact that he's been around the league all his life, I think will help him immensely. I think he'll do very well, and I think Tennessee's a great situation. You know, for people that are out there that are listening that might work in sales, you know, the greatest thing anytime you get a job is you want to take over a territory that's at the bottom of the ladder. Yep. So that way when you improve it, it looks good on you. And I think in his situation right now, this program has got a tremendous, in my opinion, the best running back in the NFL. And it's okay if you see somebody else as being better, but I love Henry in terms of what he's able to do. The question is, where do you go from quarterback? Traylon Burks didn't have a great rookie year. But he can get better. I still like his talent. Liked him a lot coming out of Arkansas. Mike Rabel, to me, is as good of a coach as there is in football. I agree. He understands the little nuances. I'm telling you, that game plan he put together, we saw something similar. Harbaugh, Belichick, and Rabel were the three guys I look at as being among the best in the league. And I'm sure there's somebody out there I'm leaving out. However, um, the game plan that they put together against Jacksonville was kind of what I thought he would do. Run the ball, make Dobbs throw short throws. They covered that six and a half, and there was never in doubt. They could have won that game if they actually just run the ball in that third and six. I don't even know if Jacksonville takes the ball down the field against them. Um, so I, I think this would be good. He's a young guy, uh, similar, uh, you know, probably about six, seven years younger than Mike Rabel. So I think they'll be able to work well together. This should be a good situation. I think Tennessee's got an opportunity in a weaker division. I know the Jags are up and coming, but I don't buy Jacksonville quite as much. I think Tennessee can get turned around much quicker. That's what's amazing is Tennessee lost their last seven games. Yeah. And it came down to one game with a guy off the street and Joshua Dobbs to be your quarterback because you know, Tannehill was out and Malik Willis didn't show enough. And Vrabel almost got that done. That's rather incredible to think about. My question is, if you're Malik Willis – 
Do you officially file for unemployment now, or do you wait till training camp next year passes? You can get on the you can get on the system for six months. Cash as many checks as you can. I, With young you. Malik, I mean, hold on to that money because we don't know if you're going to be uh, not for long as the NFL uh, acronym for for guys that they figure out can't play. We'll find out. Maybe he can play, but it didn't look good in year one. Just getting it started. It is the Wednesday edition of Big Bets here on Visa. VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge on football's biggest games, well, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits are going to let you see where the money and bets are moving for every single game. Deep dive betting reports, VSIN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down all the brackets, best bets, and all the big game props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today. Sign up for just $9.99 and become part of the Sports Betting Network. That's VSIN slash subscribe. We're going to have Steve Mackin, our VEASAN editor, join us later on in this hour. Can't wait to get his thoughts on the NFL Divisional Round as well as maybe dabble into some college basketball. Jonathan Von Tobel, our VEASAN senior NBA analyst, will join us in hour number two to get JVT's thoughts on the NBA. I did want to get back to some news and notes in the NFL. And this one did kind of pique my attention a little bit yesterday. And it was, look, this is the time where if there's a vacancy, and there appears to be one with Cliff Kingsbury as he has taken a one-way ticket to some, I don't even know where he went, but apparently he ain't coming back anytime soon as he has departed stage left uh, as the former head coach now of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, they do have a GM now in place in Arizona, but they don't have a coach. But it looks like the new GM is going to be interviewing former Colts head coach Frank Reich. And I have to think if GM Amal Shaw were to interview any coach, what would be the first question that you would ask of Frank Reich or any other head coach that you might interview seriously for the job? Well, the first thing I would assess is their people skills, right? And every business, whenever people ask me what industry you're in, I always say I'm in the people business because every job is about people, or at least 98 to 99% of jobs are about people. But more importantly, I would give them scenarios of clock management. Ooh. How do you do this? What do you do in this situation? You're down by X. You're down by Y. What do you do? You have this much of a lead, different types of things. Obviously, they'll get into the uh, different uh, X's and O's. I can't speak to that. I don't have enough knowledge on it. But for me, a lot of it's going to be coming down to how do you manage people and personalities? And then how do you manage the game? How do you manage the clock? You know, listen, people have the ability to earn. How much you save is kind of vital in life. And so to me, I look at situations and I look at coaches who have failed in those areas in the past, and that would be the one thing I would hone in on. Can you manage the game? Five and 12 football team a year ago. I'm really, uh, by the way, I love those, uh, those questions that you would ask yeah. of a prospective uh, head coach. Okay, maybe not. I think you're right. Those are probably one and then, you know, one, two. My third question might be, can you get Kyler Murray to where we need him to be? Because that feels like the elephant in the room now if you're taking over the Arizona Cardinals job. And so if you're Frank Reich, who is whisperer, like he's, he's got the moniker of quarterback whisperer, is, is that fair to put it on him and say, look, it's part of the job requirement now. You're not walking in where you get to pick and choose who the quarterback is. This is going to be the quarterback. Can you make it work? Yeah, it's a great question. Here's the one thing. I would personally, if I was in Arizona, I would hire D'Amico Ryans. 
And the reason is he's a division guy. He's a great defensive mm. coach. I think he can have a great impact on this program. However, my concern with Kyler Murray has nothing to do with coaching. I think the problem, he's a guy that reminds me a little bit of Randy Moss in the sense that when you are just better than everybody else as an athlete your whole career, you know, people forget Randy Moss was a big-time High school basketball, basketball player, right? Played at DuPont in oh, West Virginia yeah. with Jay Wills, who played down at uh, University of Florida and then in the NBA for a long time. Randy was a big-time athlete. He was always better than everybody as an athlete in football and basketball on, on each uh, field. And Kyler Murray's kind of the same way. He was a top-10 pick in baseball. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He never lost a game in high school football. Mm. I mean, this guy's always been better than everybody. And you see some of the plays he makes. Remember that play against the Raiders, a two-point conversion oh, for about amazing. 19 seconds? Amazing. I don't know any other player in the league that can make that. No. You know, even Lamar or Vic, I don't even know if they would have been able to do that. But he's fast, he's quick, he's got the ability to throw the ball. I think somebody's got to teach him, and I don't know if it's possible when you've just been better than everybody for your whole career and you've kind of relied on your athleticism. A couple things. Deion Sanders was an avid guy who studied film. Yep, Michael Irvin, too. Michael Irvin. You don't become great. Very rarely can you be that great in that league. Maybe if you're a Michael, uh, uh, Randy Moss, that you can be that great in the league without just kind of just by showing up. But if you can get somebody to do that with him, to buy in on that, and then say, listen, utilize your talents when necessary. You know, nobody's got that hook slide faster than Kyler. He'll be running full speed, and boom, he goes down. You might get a free 15. It's unbelievable. He really it, does, yeah. He, he's a tremendous athlete. There's no denying his ability and his talent. I do think there's a couple of issues. One is overcoming the height, which well, you can't, can't, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Exactly. And then the other thing is, can he realize that certain plays in the NFL, one thrown to the concession stand sometimes is the best play. You can't necessarily sit there and act like, hey, I got to make a play every time. You, you just can't do that in this level, at this level. I thought what you brought up about Dion is such an excellent point. I, I mean, to me, Dion Sanders is the greatest cornerback of all time, at least in my lifetime of watching football for 40-plus years. He's the best one I've ever seen. It's because he was supremely talented, and then he worked. The work ethic to go with said talent is what made him, to me, the best of all time, right? Like, I heard Mike Pritchard say on this network, and I think I, when Pritch speaks, I listen. Yeah. He said, could you imagine if Randy Moss even applied himself? Randy Moss might be a top, top three receiver. You can make an argument in the history of the league, and Pritch doesn't even think he fully applied himself. Like, that, that's amazing that if he, if he maximized even that – unbelievable, freakishly freakish athletic ability, he would have been the great. Like, Jerry Rice probably didn't have the God-given ability of a Randy Moss, but his work ethic made him the greatest receiver of all time. I'm not saying that could be Kyler, but we know the talent is there. But if you fully apply it, and we, we're saying it because it was a big deal in the offseason last year about how much film study is he putting in, right? That's the only reason why this question comes up. So if like he fully applies what he can actually do, then maybe he can get to a different level that we haven't seen yet in the NFL. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, about Moss, I still – listen, he's got the greatest quote of all time. Straight cash, homie. That's it. That <laughs> is the best ever. Uh, but that Thanksgiving Day game, just a pure talent, him playing with Chris Carter. Let's not bring that up, please. The Thanksgiving three Day Three catches, game. 150 yards, three touchdowns? Yeah, three. Yeah, it was, they, I mean, Why you guys have to do that? You know, getting ready for a big one against San Francisco, and you get to bring me back to yeah. Randy Moss, a guy the Cowboys should have drafted, and then he's, he goes and ruins my Thanksgiving. You because know, we're preparing for the rest of your offseason to be ruined. That is, that's on you and me. We made it 21 minutes into the show without a Cowboys reference. I, to be honest with you, when I said it, I wasn't even thinking he's going to, he's gonna, you know, get all nostalgic about it. Just sometimes you got to well, respect the greatness. <laughs> but I respect greatness, right? Like when you see somebody, you, you're playing against somebody, and they're just great, you respect it.
The mashed potatoes weren't very good that day. The stovetop wasn't good. The turkey wasn't even good. Everything was ruined because of Randy Moss and the Minnesota Vikings. Well, Dave, your first problem was becoming a Cowboy fan. That's the greatest uh, achievement of my life. Let's talk about those Cowboys because they did eliminate the GOAT, Tom Brady. He gone. Buccaneers gone. 35-14. Uh, excuse me, 31-14 was the final score. And now the question is, where does Tom Brady go? So as the Bucs are knocked off your playoff bracket, you just put an X through the Bucs. What's interesting to me is, via DraftKings, the Buccaneers are still the favorite for Tom Brady to come back. Two to one. There's not a prop on here for retirement. I don't think he's going to retire. What do I know? I'm not Tom Brady's inner circle. He's not telling me them all. But I just, from what we've seen and what we know of his personal life now, he's got time on his hands suddenly. Yeah. He doesn't have the issues that he had in the last offseason. And clearly those were issues. Two to one to come back to the Bucs. 250 to come out here to the desert. How about this one? This has moved, actually, Dave. Oh, it the has. Raiders jumped. It's at plus 150, I believe, is where it's at right now. Oh, we're on the move! Yeah, the, they, they, the Raiders jumped the Bucks in this market. Well, one of the things that would attract me to coming to Las Vegas is the no state income tax. Well, that's mm-hmm. huge, right? Well, uh, Florida's got that, too. They do. No, I know that, but do you want to stay with that disaster, or would you rather come to this disaster? Well, the Dolphins are plus 750 if you want to stay in the great state of Florida, but just move somewhere else where he was rumored to go to his, my, to his Michigan guy, Stephen Ross. No relation. But the other one on this board that really intrigues me is the third option. San Francisco, plus 350. Oh, wait a minute. They're set a quarterback for decades because they got Brock Purdy and they got Trey Lance. Just choose your, choose your youngster that you like. Why would he be, that be the third betting favorite to go to Santa Clara? Because I think uh, when you look at it, San Francisco, Brock Purdy, he's not a better quarterback, obviously, than Tom Brady. But I'll tell you, his mobility gives you a lot of advantages. Yes. I mean, Brady folds like a lawn chair in a hurricane. Well, he's, he's going down because he's not moving. Going down. He sees, I think there might be a cat one coming off the coast. He's in. He's like, a, he's got the shutters down. And he's calling, it a, calling the plays over. Yeah, he's Matty the Stafford. Self-sack. It's the self-sack. So, yeah, it's I the like that line. That's yeah. a good line. Mass- self-sack, absolutely. has mastered that now in L.A., right? After you become a made man. And look, there are, there are problems there. And he's probably going to look for a good offensive line. The Niners have a pretty good offensive line. I'm, I'm like... He's, if, if, he, if he really has his way, because the Raiders' offensive line is dicey. Buccaneers' offensive line, dicey, right? The best one out of that group, by the way, Patriots plus 750. Could you imagine if Belichick brought him back? No. That's admitting, that's admitting defeat. Yeah, no way. Right? There's On no way side, Belichick. Right? Neither, yeah. neither one of them wants a reunion at no, this point. No, Brady could, but Belichick can't. Wait, Bel- Brady at this what? point is I, – I don't think even Brady going to the Patriots – I, you might be talking about a a super a, a playoff contender. You're not talking about a Super Bowl contending team. But a good offensive line, right? Pretty good. In, sure, in they're England. okay. They lack weapons, though, on the outside. No, the offensive line was the problem this year. It was? Yeah. It wasn't it was Mac-10? Well, it's yeah. hard to throw when you're on your back. Yeah. Brady knows that in Tampa this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, although he's chucked up 66 times. Barely clearing that prop of 43 and a half against the Cowboys. The 66 times. We'll find out where Tom Terrific goes. When we come back, Steve McInerney, VEASAN editor, going to talk more NFL next here on VEASAN. VEASAN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VEASAN, the sports betting network. 
Welcome back to this segment of Eastern Big Bets is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zen understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is just a little bit different. Everyone is on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zen will be there for you. So check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. This product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Rolling on this Wednesday edition of Big Bets, Dave Ross and Malshaw here. Always a pleasure to welcome in each and every Wednesday our VEASAN editor, Steve Mackinnon. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Mackinnon. And let's get right to the NFL round and some of those playoff trends, Steve, that you have noted. And again, as a VEASAN Pro subscriber, you get access to all of Steve's fine work here. Uh, let's get into this because you do have some rematch scenarios, obviously. I don't know if Buffalo and Cincinnati qualifies as a rematch because the game with DeMar Hamlin, it was actually canceled, but you have legit ones, say with the Giants and the Eagles, third time's the charm here. The the Cowboys and the Niners, they played in the postseason last year. Steve, go through your criteria and how you kind of looked at the wildcard weekend and then apply it now to the divisional round. Well, as as far as I'm concerned, uh, Dave, it's two different animals, if you will, apples and oranges. I mean, what what has worked and what has helped teams win in the wild card round is completely different than what happens in the divisional round. It, it seems, uh, I guess I, I would characterize in the divisional round as offense wins here. You know what I mean? You, you have to have a good offense. If you go back through the article I put together of the divisional trends this week, you will find that teams that have offensive edges in this game have been way more successful than the teams that have had defensive edges. So keep that in mind as a basic thing before you, uh, start handicapping the games this weekend. Now, you talk about the rematch. Okay, I think we lost Steve there for a second. I want it because, look, you know where my brain is right now, wired for this weekend, right? It's focused on the big one Sunday night, Santa Clara, Cowboys, and 49ers. So when Steve is talking about there, just a quick edge on, look to the team that has the better offense. Let me ask you, Marshall, who's got the better offense? Dallas or San Francisco? Because if you said this in a vacuum, people are going to go, Cowboys. It's not close. Look at the numbers the Niners have been rolling up with Brock Purdy. And I watched that game intently against the Seahawks. Seahawks couldn't get a stop. I'm not trying to be evasive to your question, but I would answer by saying, who are you facing? Now, in Mm. this matchup, I would say that Dallas has the better offense going up against San Francisco because they're more balanced. Whereas when I look at the 49ers, Purdy's done a great job. But when he faces off against the Dallas type of defense like Dallas, who's capable of potentially taking away one of your strengths, mm-hmm. can you win this game throwing the ball? We have not seen him been put him being placed into a situation where he needs to win a football game just relying solely on his arm. You know, they've been so much out in front. What happens if they're down four with two minutes to go? Can Brock Birdie lead that march down the field? Dak Prescott has done it before in his career. Yep. And, you know, so for me, I think that's going to be a crucial part. That's the one reason when I look at the NFC right now, I think it's wide open. Whereas in the AFC, Allen, Burrow, and, uh, oh, yeah, that guy in Kansas City. He's pretty good. Yeah. So I, I think from that standpoint, you have a huge edge. Well, I, I think I hit the dump button in case Steve Mackin was going to say something disparaging about the Cowboy offense, Steve. So good to have you back. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's, let's get back there because, you know, Amal and I were just discussing what you what your first point was, which a very basic point of which team has the better offense. But, right, yes, you do have to look at the defense as they're playing. But in that San Francisco-Dallas game, do you have enough data now on Brock Purdy to say, yeah, their offense is on par, if not better than the Cowboy offense? 
Yeah, I actually like uh, one thing um, I'll just said there a lot, uh, talking about how Dallas's defense and the, particularly the pass rush with the uh, Parsons that uh, can maybe get after him. Like he hasn't seen much of that to this point, so it's going to be a real test. And uh, uh, I tell you what, when I saw that line out at three and a half, I thought, wow, somebody really believes the Cowboys have a chance here because of that factor, probably. Steve, I, I know we got to ask you some NFL related questions, but more importantly, being a Packer owner, are you allowed to wear anything that's purple? I, I, I noticed you come in here with a purple people eater shirt. Wow. I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> Did I thought Alan Page know that to him? Well, I thought he was being that's kidnapped a- during the interview because he wore the purple. <laughs> the ownership group is like, hold on a second, we got a traitor in our midst. This is uh, my my son's college team. Oh. I'm, I'm heading to heading to his game tonight after this. So UW Stevens Point Pointers. I, I have talked about this, that they're Vikings colors, and it kind of makes me ill wearing them. <laughs> we didn't know if Alan Page or Jim Marshall or one of the Purple People leaders actually gave you that shirt, but it looks good on you. <laughs> so let's get back to your, your trends here. Look, obviously that Cowboy-Niner game, I'm with you. It, it does The numbers moved down, by the way, to three and a half now. It was at four, as high as four and a half here. Again, the Bills and Bengals game, because of the interrupted game, I'm surprised this is at five. You could have got some six out here at South Point yesterday. That has come down. What is the data telling you there with that Bengals and Bills matchup? Well, again, I think you look at some of the way that this line moves you're talking about. These have been big in this round, and I write about this in this week's piece. uh, 24 and 11 against the spread for the last 35 games when you've seen a line movement just by following the team that it moved to. So, uh, definitely something to consider in this round. Uh, it seems like betters have been sharp in breaking down these numbers. Hmm. It's, it, they've done a great job on this one. Steve, I want to ask you real quickly, is there anything you saw in the opening weekend outside of the trends that you thought might translate? To me, I, you know, Lawrence got a lot of criticism for the picks, but I thought San, uh, San Diego got to still call Chargers. You can still call him San Diego. The Chargers, I thought they made great plays. I didn't think it was all completely on Lawrence. I, I thought, you know, they did a great job themselves. Anything to you that kind of stood out you were imp- impressed with or you said, hey, this team's got to be better at or just anything from your perspective watching over the weekend that you thought was good or bad from anybody that's going to be playing this weekend? You know, I agree with you on that point, Jamal, because I actually talked about this with Brent before the show on Sunday about how it seemed that Lawrence was throwing a lot of the same balls in the second half, but they were contested balls that were being caught by Jacksonville. And I think more importantly, what happened in that game is he had success later. And I think that's going to be big, not only probably for this week, but moving forward in his career. The other guy that you have to think, wow, what the heck happened to this guy? And he's coming on now is Daniel Jones, of the giants. Boy, that, if, if that team is that good offensively, uh, playing this week against the Eagles, I, I give them a chance to be real competitive in that game as well. By the way, I love the uh, accent coming out there. I almost put him in Manitoba. I mean, jeez. <laughs> Thought he was going to start dropping pucks on us over here, Lake Superior State and Company. <laughs> but, Steve, you know, we mentioned that there's been some movement in the Cowboy game and certainly uh, some movement in that Bills game, but we have not seen movement in the Jags and Chiefs at eight and a half, and we have not seen movement really across the board in that Eagles and Giants game with the G-Men getting seven and a half. I, did you tip your hand there that maybe the Giants could be a play at seven and a half if they can keep that offense going? But what about the Jags? Because to Amal's point about the turnovers, you lose the turnover battle five nothing, and so, still somehow come out and win a playoff game. You better not do that to the Chiefs this weekend, or you're going to get your doors blown off. 
Well, I tell you what, number one seeds overall have struggled here in this round to cover numbers. Specifically, they're 25 and 13 straight up in their last 38, but 13, 24, and one against the spread. So you need to be fairly comfortable that you can get to that margin. Now, number one, one of the more interesting trends on that is number one seeds when matched up against the six, maybe they take them lightly for or whatever reason. 11 and seven straight up in the last 18, five, 12, and one. So there's been quite Ooh. a few upsets in that one six matchup as well. Yeah, we saw the one seed last year. Tennessee didn't win a game uh, as they got bounced by the four seed last year, Cincinnati. Again, the numbers maybe leading you to, towards the points there uh, in that matchup historically. I tend to agree with you guys there, but I, I revert back to the game played about eight weeks ago. Mm. Chiefs minus three in the category, turnover margin, outgain them by about a buck 75. Jags with a backdoor score to make it 10. I'm, I'm not ready to get on board with Jacksonville just yet. Uh, the other thing is I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, those guys kind of acted like they won the Super Bowl that night. Yeah, they did. And does that impact you going forward? I don't know if you guys take those things into consideration, but for me, now you're going off facing a team with a buy. And by the way, and Steve, you know this extremely well, Andy Reid's track record off of bye weeks fantastic. is among the best in the league. I, yeah, it, it's it's well uh, it's well known knowledge, yeah. I guess, in betting circles that you don't want to fade him and such. Now, what you said there about acting like they won the Super Bowl, coming from twenty seven nothing down, it, that's almost <laughs> Super Bowl level. I mean, only Tom Brady can do that stuff usually. So, uh, I have a trend that indicates. Teams that score 30 points or more in their wildcard games and win are very successful in the Ooh. divisional round. So keep that in mind, particularly in covering spread. So Ooh, I like that. Um, yeah. So that, that you can get the details that in the article, a lot, lot more to, to dig around in, in this piece. I, uh, I highly encourage everybody to take a look at it. All right. Well, you better be a VEASAN Pro subscriber to have access to uh, Minnesota Vikings superfan Steve Mackinan's numbers that he puts out. <laughs> <laughs> Never that- call me that again. <laughs> we like the shirt, though, and good luck. You, your son's football team, right? They, when, when are they playing? Basketball. Basketball team. Yeah. All right, go That's get it done on the hardwood. 7 o'clock, Greg Peterson's alma mater. Greg Peterson's <laughs> alma mater. I love it, Steve. We appreciate good it luck. as always, my friend. Good luck tonight and good luck to your games this weekend. Come on back. We'll talk much more NFL and beyond here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Football playoffs are in full swing with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all things football this playoff season. Celebrate this weekend with our divisional round playoff insurance. Then extend the fun through the rest of the playoffs with our playoffs first touchdown insurance. Log on to betrivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app today to get in on all the action. It is a whole new ball game. A lot of fun having Steve Mackinan on in the last segment. Uh, we're going to have Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, join us in hour number two to talk all things NBA. Uh, I did want to very quickly, we talked about Tom Brady in the futures market of where he might end up. And it is a moving market, as Kelly pointed out, that you know the Raiders have now jumped to the forefront as the favorite for where to land Tom Brady. I want to get to another quarterback in the same market. It's Lamar Jackson. And what surprises me is... Guess who was not the favorite to land Lamar Jackson? 
the Baltimore Ravens. Well, watch out for the subtitle. If he doesn't return to Ravens. If he doesn't return to the Ravens. Yeah, this one's a little different. Reading, okay. reading is fundamental. It is. <laughs> so we're taking the Ravens off the board. Anybody else? So I'm assuming, though, Kelly, for DraftKings, if he goes back to the Ravens, would hope you get your funds, you get yeah. that refunded. Okay. If he goes back to Baltimore. By the way, I don't know which way this is going to go. Because, you know, Lamar's making these social media posts and telling everybody his, his uh, medicals. Like, I got a grade three something of the whatever knee ligament connected to the funny bone, connected to the hip bone. And, like, the Ravens are like, man, can you play? And apparently he couldn't play. So if he doesn't go back to Baltimore, the Ravens would have to rework their whole offense. I don't think that Wheatley's the, the, the answer, or Huntley's the answer going forward. But we'll find out what they do. The Jets are the favorite here, plus 250. Falcons are interesting to me at plus 350 because that means they're moving on from Marcus Mariota, who, by the way, wasn't even with the team at the end of the year. We saw that with Derek Carr in the desert, and that's why we think those guys are out. They weren't even around the facilities, which is a new thing in 2023, that if you're not playing, you just don't show up to work anymore. That's a bizarre thing to me and a weird concept. Raiders on the board again at plus 750. Could you imagine Lamar Jackson? In the silver and black, it'd be, be a wild look. I would give Lamar a short-term overpriced deal because I think with his mobility, now depending on the health, obviously, he can have a profound impact with the team with the passing game. You know, the one thing is he makes some errant throws. We see, we've seen that um, with Andrews there. So many times he's diving for balls that should be easily thrown. However, can you imagine like in a Jets offense that played pretty well with that defense? And his mobility, how much of a problem he presents to a opposing defense. Um, same thing with the Raiders, with Jacobs' ability to run the football, with their receivers, Adams. I, I don't know if the receivers would get a little bit frustrated because of some of these throws sometimes. But I think in a short-run situation, you can win and win big with Lamar. Yeah, this is a – this is a. I, I think these are both fun markets to look at. Is there really anything I'm running to – I would be running to bet – Probably no in both of them. Um, but always fun, always fun to look at, right? And always always great to look at the odds. Lamar Jackson, it, for as much as I, I feel like we've 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 knocked the guy on this show a little bit, there's about 15 teams in this league that oh. sh- if he was actually on the open market, should be doing everything they possibly can to get that guy on their team. Just because you he, he overnight revolutionizes what you do on off. Absolutely. And look, nobody nobody here on this show at least. We all know this is a – like we were saying at the beginning of the year, if you've been watching Big Bets, he was 20, 25 to 1 in the marketplace to win MVP, and I thought that was a decent play. I think we all liked the Ravens this year until he got hurt again. And that is the problem going forward. This is two years in a row where he's not missing a game. He's missing end of seasons. They were 8-3 and three last year. Lamar goes out, and they're done. They don't even make the postseason. At least they made the postseason this year when he was out for basically a month and a half. So you do have to factor that in. Look – would the, are the Ravens going to franchise tag him? I probably think that's the way they're going to go if they don't give him a new deal altogether. But one team that would be interesting to me is at 10-1, to 1, and that's the Colts. Because I look at a couple teams and I go, like, do you want him to go down there with these kind of spread offenses like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle where you're throwing it all over the lot? No. How about a running team with Jonathan Taylor, a good offensive line, at least we thought they were a good offensive line, and then you factor in eight with that defense in Indianapolis, and then you, you eschew the route of going with the old man at quarterback syndrome in Indy, you put Lamar Jackson behind there on a fast field in, in a dome, 
man, my eyes would light up at the possibilities of what he could do and revolutionize that offense in Indianapolis. Yep. The thing, though, I would argue in Baltimore is the team was designed around him. Great running yep. game, Dobbins and Edwards. Uh, you've got the best special teams player, in my opinion, in Justin uh, Tucker in yep. terms of his ability. And then they play defense extremely well. I, I think some of these other teams, you know, I point out with the Raiders, maybe in a, in a small sample size, a year or two, he can be very effective for you. Still, at the end of the day, you need a guy who can be a pocket passer. Um, but I think if he's on the right team, I look at Washington, I don't think that would be the right team. I don't think the offensive line play is good enough. I love Brian Robinson. He looks like he's going to be an absolute dude. By the way, it is insane when you think about the backs that have come out of Bama. Henry, Jake, Jacobs, Najee, Brian Robinson. I mean, these are absolute dudes. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. It's, it's running back you. The other team on that list at 9-1 to one that would be intriguing from a coaching standpoint would be the Patriots. And the reason why I bring that up is, if you remember the year after Brady left to go to Tampa Bay, they win the Super Bowl the rest of his history. Remember what Bill Belichick tried to do that year? It Cam Newton. And he tried to redesign the offense, if you reimagine is a key term now in 2023. Try to reimagine the offense with Cam Newton. Do you imagine reimagining that offense with Lamar Jackson? and Bill? Now, Bill Belichick is not necessarily the OC in New England, and maybe that's a problem in and of itself, of who's actually calling the play. Matt Patricia is going to be aligned with Lamar Jackson? How does that look? Well, I don't think it's going to go well. But <laughs> It seems like a weird grouping. Like, you're trying to figure out, you know, systems that fit. And you're right. Not every system is going to want a Lamar Jackson because they're going to go, I, I want a pocket guy to get it to my to – my, like, like Jalen Hurts has been unleashed in Philadelphia because A.J. Brown, right? Because Devontae Smith. So the, well, the I offense think part, looks, I think it's part of it. But the offense looks different because of the weapons around him, right? It, yeah, no we, question about that. It was like a running offense last year. They were the best rushing team, you remember, last year in the NFL. The Eagles were. Well, this year, they're, they're not running it with, with the same – Efficiency because they have weapons on the outside and they've opened it up for Jalen Hurts. I mean, I guess you can make that argument for Lamar Jackson. If he went to the Dolphins at 10 to 1, you give him a Tyree kill, give him a Jalen Waddle. I mean, I don't know if that fits. It's like, does he go out to the desert where he's got weapons in Renfro and Waller and Devontae Adams? Is that the way you want to utilize Lamar Jackson? Um, I, I think. That's one way to consider it. You know, I thought Jalen Hurts had tremendous self-improvement this year, and then he benefited from having A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith with him there. I, I think it was a combination of things. For me, when I look at Lamar, he was offered, I believe, six years, 250, right? Mm -hmm. So it comes out to about just under $42 million a year, um, $133 million guaranteed. And I said it at the time, take the deal. Because how much more money are you going to get that's an upside? You could have gotten more money guaranteed, theoretically, but how much more money were you going to get in a contract? 260, 270, 280? Right. What is the risk versus reward? I don't think Lamar Jackson is ever going to get that type of contract in the National Football League. Well, one other thing I want to pick your brain about the Panthers at plus 750. So that's, that's not, that's one of the shorter favorites on the board. Now, I don't know if they're going to go with Steve Wilkes. I don't know if they're going to keep running the same way they did. But if you remember at the end of the year, what did they do after they got rid of CMC? We thought, well, They'll figure out what they have. The, no, no. They just ran the ball more with, with Chuba Hubbard and company, right? If you put Lamar Jackson behind center, and that looks like a Ravens offense. That looks like a completely run first offense for a team that ran the ball very well last year. I would agree with you. I just don't know if they've got the playmakers on the perimeter to help them enough. 
to where Lamar comes in and the few times he can throw the ball down the field effectively will help you enough. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned Chuba Hubbard. I remembered he went to Oklahoma State, mm -hmm. but you could have given me an hour and I was not coming up with the name Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> I don't understand. I can remember where these guys played college ball. I know who the player is. I know the jersey number. I cannot remember their name for the life of me. I definitely called him Chuba Hubbard for like a year. Right, Chuba, but, uh, Chuba. Sorry, you, you obviously didn't watch uh, the Pokes play. No, no, not often. What was that band? Uh, Ch Chuba, Chuba, Chuba Wubba? Chumba Wumba? Ch Chumba Wumba. Yeah. I, I can't, that gets in my head too sometimes. I get knocked down, but sometimes I get back up. That's it. And Chuba <laughs> would get knocked down and get up and get eight yards <laughs> in the next play. Uh, we got a pro tip for hour number one. It does come from down under. And again, this is in regards to Rafa Nadal out. And now you look at the Joker, and his number hasn't changed that much yet. It's now uh, minus tower 25 at DraftKings. And Amal, I mean, you loved him early in, in the AO before this thing even began. Don't shy away from the number going up ever so slightly. To Amal's point, you can look at certain numbers and play them up to $2. And that's where Amal's uh, demarcation line is going to be for a guy like Rafa, or excuse me, for Novak Djokovic. So in the Australian Open and in other big tournaments when they come, don't be afraid if the number moves slightly after a first-round match because there's still value in that number if you think you got the right side. Yeah, I, I think it's dependent upon the draw, the players, how everyone else is playing. Novak was out of this one. Remember, he's won this tournament nine times. Nine he's, times? He's got a chance to go to a level where Rafa's gone at the French Open going double digits. So... And also, before he couldn't play last year because of the vaccine situation, he had won it the previous three years. That is the pro tip for hour number one. As a Visa Pro subscriber, you have access to up to 20 a day across the network. Come on back. Hour number two of Visa and Big Bets next.